This is the Idea Time Show, Idea Time Show with Dr. Joe North, helping facilitators expand their creativity, confidence, and impact through the power of innovation in action. Gain confidence as a facilitator, confidence with the technology, and confidence with your content and event design. Tune in every week for practical tips, strategies and interviews that will accelerate your personal and business success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Joe North. Hello and welcome to the Idea Time Show. We have got such a good podcast for you today. I'm joined by Nick Bradley, who is founder of Mandala Leaders. He's an author. He's got a cracking book called From Zero to Authentic Hero. And he's also a specialist in looking at how to lead in times of change and crisis and much more. So, Nick, welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. Thanks very much. Delighted to be here with you. So really looking forward to this. Oh, it's brilliant. It's good to have you on the show. Thank you. And I love your book, From Zero to Authentic Hero. And I just think it is so relevant. I mean, you wrote it pre-lockdown, didn't you? But it's super relevant today. I wrote it about 18 months ago now. Uh, but of course, we've been locked down for the last 12 of them. And I just thought it was a way to be more of your true self in your leadership role, more of what you want to do, more of what you need to get out of your role and more about achieving your own vision for you and your business. Sounds awesome. So I'm really looking forward to getting into that and getting stuck into that theme. Can you tell us a bit about you and how you got into the whole leadership field and an area of specialism and expertise. Absolutely, Joe. Thank you. I spent 20 years in investment banking in the City of London, uh, and most of my time was doing financial restructurings. So when there were big private equity-owned businesses all across Europe that had got so much debt in them, uh, they weren't making the sufficient profits to service that debt, I was sent in as a consultant to help restructure that business. So I looked at the operations and the business plan and the people and the products and the geographies they were working in and all those things and worked with the management team and the accountants and the lawyers and everyone else to create a new business plan and restructure the financial metrics of the business so that they could suit the situation they were in. But what I realized after doing that for quite a long time was that the management team were in their first ever crisis. They'd never been in that situation before. In fact, why should they have been? And so really my job was holding the hand of the leadership group of the CEO and the CFO and the operational people, holding their hand through that crisis and leading them safely out to the other side. And so that's what I thought I should do more of. That's the bit I really enjoyed. And that's the bit I've got a lot of experience in. So that led me directly to sort of the executive coaching approach that I, I lead now. So how does leading through crisis, how is it different from leading on a day-to-day level, or is it similar, just really amped up? I think there are some similarities to it, uh, but there are some differences as well. So the similarities are you need to keep going, you need to keep operating, you need to keep doing what you do day-to-day, and you need to keep moving. And a lot of business leaders, when they hit this crisis moment, you've heard the phrase fight or flight. Well, there's also the freeze option. So some of them will freeze so it's getting to at least keep moving forward, doing what they do every day is sort of the, the business as usual element that needs to be focused on. But then there are overriding things as well that are specific to the crisis. And they're often the case of the businesses going to run out of cash. 
So that's a real trigger for business failure is running out of cash, the lifeblood of an, of an organization. And that's the first thing that people should focus on. And then the second thing is, what are you going to do differently? We talked about BAU, that's got you so far. You could argue that's got you into this situation. So what are you going to change? So the first two things I tend to look at are, what's the cash, i.e. how much cash have you got? What's your burn rate? How long have you got to survive? And then what are you going to change to adapt or renew or use innovation in your business to be better, quicker, faster going forward? And why is it that they get themselves into that position in the first place where it really has become a crisis situation? What's what's led to that? And, and what can we learn from a leadership and, and an innovation perspective about that? I think there are three main reasons that businesses get into this situation. And the first one is a crisis that happens to everyone. And, and you know, we've seen COVID over the last 12 months, but there have also been other ones in the past when the tourism industry has fallen off the edge of a cliff, when there's been terrorist acts, for example, which have stopped people traveling to various locations and, and things like that, which have stopped people moving, stopped people buying and changed the normal habits that people have. And those will impact quickly and significantly on a business. I had one, for example, where the, the business was manufacturing a particular breed of racing car and the manager of the race series they were in decided they're going to go to another supplier. So their business was, was just shut down overnight. And those things happen in the market and they're very difficult to predict, but they, they do have a really detrimental impact. Yeah. And of course, there's, there is that sort of realising that you're over-relying on one particular customer because it's always good to have a diversity of, of customers and so on. But I think you're right when there's some sort of external change that can't necessarily be forecast or predicted as you say with with terrorism and actually what we've experienced over the last 12 months from a COVID-19 pandemic point of view what have you observed in leaders the ones that have done in your view a brilliant job and the ones less so throughout this pandemic so uh, the ones who have actually taken action are the ones who are going to survive this best. As I said earlier, a lot of leaders, and it's, it's a human instinct thing, when there's a, a problem, you'll fight, flight, or freeze. And those who are fighting to look after their business, to serve their customers, to take care of their employees, manage their external stakeholders, are the ones who are going to survive. So the ones who've got a real good handle on their metrics, they know what their cash flow is, they know what they need to sell to make a profit, they know all of the intricate financial details of their business is a good place to start because you can only sort of measure success by measuring stuff in your organisation. A lot of people don't do that enough. But the other one is to communicate and to say, you know, we are having a tough time, we are having difficulty, and to bring together a sense of purpose with the team that you're working with. So you're all aligned and joined together to survive this in the same way, and you're agreeing on the same strategy to do that, as opposed to having a disparate group with lots of different ideas, where you end up with sort of decisions being made by committee, where nothing tends to happen. So there has to be a consistent approach, there has to be rapid decision-making, rapid risk assessment of the organization as well, bringing that community of employers, customers, and other stakeholders together with a common purpose. It's about knowing when to pivot as well, which is probably one of the most overused P words over the last 12 months, and knowing when to change direction. And I think what I've observed is that the business leaders that have done well and survived slash thrived with their businesses are those that didn't dwell on 
the shock of the change too long in the beginning. I know that there are still some people who are working through all the change that we've had mentally in the last 12 months. Why is it that some people do that and some people don't? What differentiates an authentic, effective leader in their makeup or or in their behaviours from from one that chooses not to do those things? Why is that? I think some people are naturally entrepreneurial and are willing to change what they do and willing to look at things in a different way. It's about a mindset. Anyone can learn it. It's not just necessarily the way you're brought up or your experience. Anyone can change to have a different mindset. It's a case of understanding who you are and where you are today and setting out quite clearly what kind of mindset you want to have going forward and then looking for help or support or reading a book or getting a coach or a mentor to help you through that process, to to be more open to ideas and to bounce those ideas around with other people if you're not so confident about doing it on your own. Yeah, and some people think they're open-minded, but actually when you get into conversation with them, they're not as open-minded as they like to think they are. So it's quite good to be challenged as well, isn't it, as a leader and, and have someone really push you in a positive way and and explore things with you i think that's absolutely right joe and i think it's very important to not be trying to do it all yourself and not believe you can do it all yourself like i was saying earlier the when i was working with financial restructuring and the management team were in their first crisis they admitted they hadn't been in a crisis before and were looking for help from their external stakeholders there are a lot of business leaders who are sitting there particularly in an sme size of business who don't have any, a non-executive board around them or don't have a chairman they can lean on or a chair they can ask questions of it's a very lonely place to be so looking at a professional support be that a non-executive director or a chair or a coach or whoever it is it can be really really positive to help drag you out of that freeze mentality and look at lots of different opportunities and we've seen a lot of businesses have done that and they've moved from a physical business to an online business or they've changed what they're doing they've stopped producing gin for example and they're making hand sanitizer which is more relevant to the current market and there are lots of businesses who have made that pivot who've made that change but they also recognize that they're going to do it with others on board uh, and getting that help to do so yeah it's about a trusted advisor as well isn't it or a trusted coach and having someone that you can really open up to because I think the thing about small business and entrepreneurship is it's actually it's a very personal game because we associate what we create so much with ourselves it's part of us isn't it and our success or otherwise is felt more deeply when it's something that we have created. So I think one of the things I observe, and I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on this, is that one of the things that stops entrepreneurial leaders growing their businesses is that they are reluctant to delegate, they're reluctant to let some of the things go. They want to do it all themselves, and they just hang on to it. And Firstly, I don't think that's particularly healthy. But secondly, if they only want to stay a certain size as a business, that's fine. But when they do want to grow, that's a really big limiting factor. Do you work with leaders on helping them with that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. And you tend to find that a lot of leaders end up in their business, not leading on their business, because they are still doing everything they've always done as the business has grown and grown. And they're getting overstretched. They're getting overburdened and they're getting tired out of of doing that, yet they won't let go because it's their baby. So the analogy I tend to use with that is, you know, you have your baby when you're holding it and protecting it in your arms when it's 
only a few hours or days old. But eventually that baby will grow and you will send that baby or that child now to school. And you'll rely on other people to help in the upbringing of that child. You'll rely on teachers and other people in that space to bring up that child. Or you'll send them to a community group or a church group or whatever it is for you, where you'll have another group of people helping that child grow. And then they'll go to a, another school and eventually go to university and be out in the world on their own. And yeah, I ask, encourage leaders to look at their business in a similar way, that you can't keep holding that baby in your arms all the time. You have to bring in other people to support its growth and help project it through to the world. The, the worry is bringing in the right people, isn't it? And that people are going to fit in and that it's going to be a good decision. I was talking to somebody just a few days ago and he was saying that there was one bad experience of recruitment a few years ago now and it had stopped him recruiting for that sort of role ever since. And it, it slowed him down from a, a growth point of view. So I think we all make bad hires but it's about being confident in how to make the right hire, isn't it? And think about the part of the leadership role is about actually developing a team of hopefully people that are cleverer than us. Absolutely right. And for entrepreneurs particularly to hire is quite difficult because, again, they haven't done hiring before. They don't know how to hire. And they're often reliant on a recruitment consultant who probably doesn't quite get the business or get the type of person that's looked for. I encourage entrepreneurs to do all their hiring in-house and to have a clear process to do that, build out their way of hiring, which will include finding the right people. It will include the right interview approach. It will include psychosymmetric testing, which I'm a huge fan of. And it will also include a beer test with the team, you know, going and having a drink together and just seeing how everyone gels and gets on. And, and most importantly, is looking to help each other and help the new person you know, to be particularly successful in their role. But one of the other things I really encourage that new individual is, is to build themselves before they even start in the organisation, is to build themselves a 100-day plan, to do their research, see what's needed in the business, see how their role fits in, and understand all of that up front, and build a 100-day plan of how they're going to meet all the right stakeholders, understand what needs to be done, build their own strategy and start delivering within that first 100 days. So they're really hitting the ground running, which mm-hmm. is going to be great for their own reputation and the organisation as well. Yeah. And it is so important that entrepreneurs don't hold all the knowledge and insight and decision making protocol in their heads, that actually they find ways of of sharing that, of developing other people so that they're not the ones making all the decisions day to day, so that actually the business can function without them from time to time, you know, because that's the healthy thing to do, isn't it? Absolutely. I realised that at one point in my career when I was working in, in a bank. I was having my whole team of 15 people coming and asking me questions all the time. And I was the one making all the decisions. And that's at that exact moment I pivoted from a, let's call it a traditional management structure in my, in my business to a coaching structure. And I started coaching all of the individuals in my team. And I started to empower them to make their own decisions. And then we'd sit down once a week and they'd tell me what they'd done. Uh, and we check in what we're going to do for the next week. And that was all it needed. It was a much more light touch management process. So I could be looking at the overall strategy of the business and meeting you know, more senior external stakeholders to grow the business without being stuck in the minutiae. I like that concept of more of a coaching approach. So if I were an entrepreneur listening to the show now, we get lots of entrepreneurs listening all around the world. So hello to everyone who's listening. And they're thinking, you know, I've got to do everything myself and there's not really anybody I can delegate some of the decision making to. What advice or recommendations would you give them to help them? I have a very simple 3D process for that, Joe. 
And what I would do is ask every entrepreneur to spend an entire week recording everything that they do. Make a note of what it is you do, how long it takes you. Even every phone call, every email, everything that you do. And at the end of the week, put them all into all those activities into buckets. Are they sales? Are they hiring? Are they management? Are they product innovation? Whatever are the main buckets for whatever the activities do in your business. And then decide which ones are you good at and which ones you enjoy doing. And then focus on the ones you're good at and you enjoy doing. And then use the 3D process for the others. So the ones you're good at and you enjoy doing, you do them. The ones otherwise, you either delegate them or you dump them because you're probably spending a lot of wasted time. So you do it, you delegate it or you dump it. And then there's an overriding additional one, which is technology. And instead of making lots of phone calls, booking in meetings, whatever it is, what technological solutions are there to help streamline everything that you do or to communicate across your team or to manage your processes? So do it, delegate it, dump it and technology as an overriding stream as well. Yeah, love that. I actually have recorded my time. So it's interesting that you should mention that. And I use an app called Toggle, since you referred to technology. It's T-O-G-G-L. And I just, everything that I do, I just set the timer going in Toggle, in the Toggle app. And it's got those buckets ready so you can, you know, you can set them up in advance in terms of what they're for. I did it for a different reason, but it is so cool when you look back and you see how you've actually spent your time. It often varies quite strongly from how you think you spent your time. It's interesting because I think sometimes we think we spend longer doing the things we don't like doing than we really do simply because we don't like doing them, for instance. And I think we think we do more good quality work than we actually do. So it's just a great exercise to do. And you're so right about technology and apps. And there's some great stuff. I mean, I just love Trello, Asana. So tell us about the book because, and for everyone listening, you can get a copy right now of Nick's free book. He's giving it away for free to you on the show. And there's a link in the show notes so you can access it. Tell us about the book, Nick. The book is Zero to Authentic Hero. It's the seven key steps to become a true leader. And it takes you through a journey that is very similar to the one that I followed a few years ago to move away from what I was doing in corporate life and doing what everyone was telling me I had to do all the time to becoming more authentic and do the things that I know I'm good at doing and I love doing, which is working with people and and coaching them. But whatever it is for you to get away from the way you're doing things and maybe a sort of closed mindset and a slightly more negative approach to life to become more true to your own core values, to your own beliefs and to your own desires and what it is you want to do in life and in your business. And it takes you through a seven step process. And each step probably takes between two and four weeks to really read, understand undertake the activity there's an activity at the end of each step implement that in your life and in your business life and work through those steps one at a time until you get through to the end where you'll find that you're spending more time doing the things you like you're being more effective you're communicating not only with your team and your customers but also with yourself better and you're making far more success with much less stress in your business and happy for anyone listening to this podcast to download a free copy i'm delighted to share it with you Yeah, thank you. And without giving away any spoilers, 
Can you tell us what some of the seven steps might be? Absolutely. So the first step is about understanding your beliefs better because everyone thinks they know who they are or how they operate. But really, a lot of those beliefs are imposed by people that you meet through your life. And I call this the two-way ripple effect. I believe that if you were to step into the middle of a lake, you'll create ripples which will resonate out and will impact on your family and your kids and your employees and your customers and your community and your church group or your sports club or whatever it is, and all the way out to the wider public. But likewise, those ripples will come back in. So everyone you've met, every book you've read, and every leadership course you've been on, and every teacher or priest or whoever it is that you've looked up to as a mentor, and every family member or that uncle who you did well in business, or everyone else that's spoken to you will be impacting you and your belief system. And it's having an understanding of that belief system and then deciding whether you want to keep those beliefs or drop those beliefs and change them to something that feels more natural or more authentic to you is the very first step in the book about understanding your beliefs. And only from there do I believe you can go on and have a clear purpose for your life and your business, a clear set of values by which you operate. You can improve your skill set. You can get greater clarity on what it is you want to do, particularly around your communication. You can create a legacy, not just for the future generations, but for yourself as well. And you can build in far greater resilience going forward. And those are the remaining steps of the seven step process to become a true leader. Yeah, I love what you said about the ripples right at the beginning and about beliefs, because firstly, from an innovation perspective, I spend a lot of time explaining to people why I think they're a super creative genius. And they are a super creative genius. It's just sometimes they haven't seen it yet. And it's because they've got all these experiences that are trillions of data points inside the brains that are connecting in different ways. We're all very unique. And the way that we see the world and so on is our unfair advantage. Nobody else can ever achieve the advantage we have of seeing the world our way. And I think what we do with that is what makes us unique and special and so very valuable. And our beliefs influence our actions, don't they? So if we believe something is possible or or if we think it's impossible, as a simple example, will affect whether or not we choose to undertake an action driven by the belief. Absolutely. That's absolutely right, Joe. And it's about that mindset thing we were talking about earlier as well. If you have a fixed mindset of, oh, we did this before and it didn't work, so it won't work again, or you know, we, somebody else tried that and it didn't happen, your response to an opportunity that's put in front of you is probably going to be, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you can shift that mindset to be more open, more forward-looking and more opportunistic, then you'll be a little bit more successful, I believe. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Well, in fact, the research demonstrates it, doesn't it? So... Looking at the work of Carol Dweck, for instance, on fixed and growth mindset in children and adults, people who've got a more open growth mindset go on to be happier, do better and be generally more successful and rounded in life than those who are perfectionist and don't take risks and who see failure as a bad thing instead of seeing a failure as a learning. So it's really fascinating stuff. How do you see things moving forward then because we've been in lockdown in some shape or form mostly for the last 12 months not completely but in some shape or form and you know who knows how the roadmap will play out going forward but the world's going to keep changing isn't it and with that change brings new leadership challenges in every moment 
and if we don't adapt then we're just sort of we're just going to launch from crisis to crisis the, the key is to stay current and really read what's going on how do leaders do that so i think the way to tackle that is to plan for the worst and hope for the best with the last 12 months lessons learned that everything's taking longer to get out of lockdown than anybody thought. Then there'll be a second wave and a third wave. And then there'll be the seasonal flu next winter. And we're going to be you know, taking care of more people. Whilst people will have had the vaccination, something to stop them catching COVID is hopefully just going to make sure they can survive it. So therefore, it's still going to be around. We're still going to expect it's going to be around with this variant or another variant. So plan your business for the what is the worst case scenario and ensure you've got the structures and procedures and policies and cash available to get through that. And then hope for the best. Let's hope that the scientists and the doctors are managing to keep the flu under control. We're getting all the right vaccinations to all the right people at all the right time. And we're able to open up on that roadmap that has already been set out. But any strategy you have, as as people say, no strategy uh, survives first contact with the enemy. So as soon as you, you get out there doing it, Be ready to adjust, be ready to change, be ready to innovate in what it is that you're doing and adapt and adapt and adapt. And that's where getting out of the day-to-day of your business and being able to sit on top and have oversight of all these external factors to make sure your business is going in the right direction is so important right now. Getting stuck into the minutiae and not delegating like you were talking earlier is going to leave you stuck in the business and being impacted by all these external factors. So delegate a lot of the things that you're doing, step up, have a look around and put your head above the parapet, see what's going around in the world and be adapting your business to the new world going forward. And if an entrepreneur is listening and they're thinking, you know, that they are right now in a very challenging situation, what tips would you give them? So I would lead anyone in that situation through the five C's process, which is my confidence in crisis program, uh, which is launching very, very soon. And what I'd ask them to look at is, first of all, the cash flow of the business. That's the first C. How much cash have you got? How long can you survive in the current state? And then think about the communications. What are you saying to people? What are you saying to your customers? What are you saying to your employees? What are you saying to your bank and your funders and your shareholders? Make sure you're getting the right messaging out. And then the third one, the key one, the biggest one is change. What do you need to change? What do you need to produce more of or less of? What geographies do you need to be in? What operations do you need to change? What sales process do you need to change? What technology do you need to bring in? How can you innovate your business and pivot what you're doing to ensure that you can adapt to what the future is going to look like as opposed to what the past is going to look like? Fourth C is about community. And it's ensuring you're building in with your team, your your workforce and all of your other stakeholders that you are doing this together. There's a sense of shared purpose. There's a collaborative approach. You're all working on the same roadmap in the same direction to achieve the same vision. At whatever level you are in the organization or however important you think your job is or otherwise, it has to be aligned with the overall business moving forward. 
And the fifth and final C in the five C's process is actually consistency. Because once you've decided on that new way forward, are you being consistent in doing it? Are you making sure you're working at that every single day? Are you checking with all your teams on a regular basis? Are you double checking everything that's happening? Are you making sure that you're getting all the invoicing done? Are you making sure you're getting all the cash in the organization? Just having that consistent approach to all these new processes that you're building. So that's the five C's of the confidence in crisis program. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, they, they are good disciplines anyway. I think what I find is that what's good practice in business, you know, just as on a normal working day is amplified, multiplied many times over when it's a crisis. So if we can do those things on the day to day, it will help us to prevent a crisis. But when we're in them, I think they are fantastic tools. And I like the fact that you combine the commercial elements of the cash with the leadership parts as well and also what we want to change because I think you know leadership in business it is about running a successful enterprise whatever success looks like for that enterprise and for many organizations of course that is to be financially um, viable and financially successful so I, I like the commerciality that you bring to your leadership coaching Nick. I think that just reflects my background of being in, in banking and in the city for so many years that the, you know, I, I, I operate in numbers as much as I operate in science about leadership. And I think that's just a slightly different approach because people who have been a coach all their lives are you know, fantastic coaches, but they're working on the coaching science and, and the psychotherapy side of it. And I've got that numbers and strategy and implementation and real life experience as well. And I just find that's quite a good mix. It's a mix that I enjoy, certainly. Yeah, it's an excellent mix. I think it's a really great value proposition, certainly from an entrepreneurial perspective for entrepreneurial leadership, for sure. So I'm sure there are listeners out there who would love to know more about you and get in contact, maybe connect with you. How best could they do that, Nick? Well, the website is mandalaleaders.com. But I'm very active on Twitter and LinkedIn, particularly. So Nick Bradley on LinkedIn. I've got a big following there. And there's daily content uh, available on on there also but there's also a mandala leaders youtube channel where i've created a series of 60 videos which we're dropping in over the next few weeks so if you subscribe to the youtube channel you'll get all that free video content as well and if you want to talk to me email me at nick at mandalaleaders.com or pick up the phone let's go let's go old school pick up the phone let's have a chat Great. Thank you. So as Nick says, I'll, I'll make sure that all the links that Nick's just mentioned, the website, the social, the YouTube and so on are in the show notes. So look in the show notes to find out that information. Well, Nick, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for your time today. And it's really made me think about leadership, particularly in times of change and challenge. So I've really enjoyed talking to you. Well, thank you, Joe. It's been a pleasure to be here with you on, on your podcast. And you know, having worked with you a little bit uh, recently, it's fantastic to be uh, you know, seeing what you're doing and working with you. And thank you so much for inviting me on and uh, letting me share some of the things that uh, I'm, I'm quite passionate about. Oh, you're very welcome. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Nick. I'll see you soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Idea Time Show, brought to you by Dr. Joe North. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and access more completely free resources at bigbangpartnership.co.uk forward slash resources. We'll see you next time.